Welcome to The Landing, the podcast that goes into the brush with foresters, contract loggers, and operators of the Pacific Northwest timber industry. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Landing. I'm Jason Davenport, and today I have on the phone uh, Buddy Myers. He's a Ponzi harvester operator for Stafford Reload, Inc. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, not too bad. And yourself? I'm good, man. Um, we were kind of talking before the intro rolled. That this is the first one that I've done with a guest, so I'm probably going to be super awkward for about 10 minutes. But, um, probably going to be the same. So <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, so I guess we'll just start with, uh, you're working at Stafford reload, running a Ponzi harvester for them. How do you like that machine? Um, that machine is pretty incredible to say the least. I mean, all, all harvesters in general, like the modern day wheeled harvesters are pretty incredible with what they'll do. But that one, is a little special to me because that was one of the first machines I learned how to run on in a harvester standpoint. But just the machine in general is top notch visibility, power, speed, everything. I've heard that from a lot of different people and you're kind of telling the same story they do about those machines. Um, to switch gears to what I meant to start with, what got you? You come from a logging family, right? Like, yeah, I do. Yeah. So, what got you into this industry? I guess I should say, like, where'd you start? Um, I started off with like the love of it, going to work with dad. Because I mean, dad's been in logging since he was fifteen, sixteen, going to work with my grandpa, and so I kind of fell in love there. And started off going, doing two years of college, dropping out because I spent more time looking out the window than actually looking at the board and focusing on class. And so I got a job running log loader for Frank or Patrick logging and just kind of learning everything I can between running log loader, running shovel, running cat, excavator, running power saw. It was just, you name it, I got to do it. So it was a pretty cool learning experience. So that kind of sets you up to go and work basically anywhere. Cause I would imagine when you're out in the brush, there's only so many guys you might need to run a cat one day and push in a spur road or level out a landing or something. And the next day you'd be in your harvester. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that seems pretty normal. So what, uh, where are you at now and how'd you get there? Um, you want to elaborate? <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess basically like the whole, where you went from working for Brian, how did you decide that you wanted to get into doing cut to length? Um, so I worked with Brian for two years doing anything and everything. And I got an opportunity to work for Miller Timber Services. They're out of Salomas. And I mean, that's, that's all they do is cut to length. Yeah. So harvesters, forwarders, that's, 
that's the name of their game. And so I went and I had a buddy that worked there and he's like, Oh man, you need to come, come run this stuff. Like this is, this is some pretty cool stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, the opportunity's there. And I was at a point in my life where I wanted to move away from mom and dad. And so I <laughs> moved up that way and started running forwarder and with them for Miller Timber. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Cause it was like, man, this stuff, this stuff's pretty fucking fun. Yeah. It seems like it's a lot more fast paced than like shovel logging, uh, uh, felon buck. It can be. I mean, personally, I haven't really done a whole lot of it, so I don't have a lot of experience on the yay or nay of if it's faster or not, but just watching it and whatnot can be. Yeah. That's all my only real experience is just seeing like, you know, cause if you, I've seen a lot of guys run buncher, like I've seen your dad running buncher and, and stuff. And it seems like uh cut to length guys are cutting a lot more pieces every day. Yeah. I mean, I've was talking with dad and like all watching his people that he's been around for running processors and stuff. And it's like, I'm, I can't say personally, but I'm, one of, and then har- harvester operators in general, I guess, are cutting almost more or as equal to stems a day than like processor guys that are on the landing. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, personally, I can do 700 stems a day wow. in a thinning. Yeah. So, and you're talking, I mean, going finding a trail you want, taking your trail trees out, going in, thinning those trails and trying to get your number, the stand number down to what the forester wants. And so there's the whole mind, mind games of all of that to go and still also be productive and cut three to four loads a day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's the other thing too, is like with that cut to link stuff, you're not just going out and taking a 50 acre clear cut. You're going down and no. you've got like stand numbers that you need to meet, like leave trees per acre and all that stuff. And you need to not scar up those leaf trees while you're in there working. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, the majority, I mean, it depends on who, whose ground you're on, warehouser, CTC, Starker, I mean, any of them, but a good average is 350, 350, 400 trees per acre. And we're trying to take them down to 200 trees, 180 trees an acre. Right. And you're still trying to find merged trees, but you're also trying to leave some of the more dominant stems in the patch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're definitely taking all of the suppressed trees out because, I mean, they're not worthless, but in the next five years, they can be because right. they'll just die out. Yeah, so a lot, of the, a lot of the stands that you guys are in, there's a lot of um, dead limbs down low where they're starting to prune themselves up in a race for the sunlight. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's – so I met a lady when I was taking some photos on Highway 126, and mm-hmm. her house had burned down, and she told me, she said, uh, I'm really sad that I'm going to have to see this valley for the rest of my life probably with no trees. And I was like, hey, um, all the stuff that's getting logged right now, they're logging it so they can replant it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's part of 
part of why I want to start this is um, to try and get that word out too that this isn't just logging's not what it was in 1910 anymore. Like, <laughs> and this, the work that you guys do is kind of a really good, it's really good evidence of that. So it's yeah. it's nice to kind of start this off with you because you guys are just doing, you know, commercially thinning the, the woods paying for the work that you do, but you're not just out there making a mess for a quick buck. It's like you're actually thinning the forest to increase the health of the trees that are left, you know? Yeah. I mean, they've, I mean, you can go and see a lot of different science and about it, everything like there's, a lot that went into commercially thinning and like, okay, if we go to this many trees an acre, then will this result will happen in 10 years. Or if we go and have a little bit of a higher number, it doesn't do as good. And so there's a lot of different science behind it. Yeah. And I would <laughs> imagine that every unit's going to be different too. I mean, the ground and where it's at and stuff, but. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy how even like in the same tree farm on the same road system, what one unit can be like versus a different one. Yeah, I mean, cause personally, totally Oh yeah. Cause personally I've done units that are half mile apart or even in the same 110 acre uh, thinning to where this one side of the unit perfectly fine. Even in the winter time when it's pouring rain, like you can go in there and have all your uh, limbs and tops and everything go in the trail and like you normally do, and then be totally fine on one end. And then you get to another end, and it's everything you can do to stay afloat and not make ruts and not make the unit look like absolute garbage. Right. That's what I was going to kind of go into, so I'm glad you went that way. It's like when you guys work in, in the wintertime – it's also another goal of yours. Like you can't just be out there tearing up the ground and stuff. So you're saying that you're just throwing down like the limbs and the tops to try and float the machine a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the whole goal is to go and process everything right in front of you in your trail in your designated trail. Um, that way you run over it. You're not compacting the soils and everything. So you can, like you say, float over everything. Yeah. For lack um, of a better term, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's definitely harder in the winter months when it's really, really wet to try and do, um, not make ruts and everything. Cause that's, that's our whole goal is to not make a mess. I mean, it's, it's deciding what days they're actually run if it's too wet or if it's not wet enough or whatever, I guess. Um, but just deciding on whether or not is today a good day to even be out there. Yeah. Right. Ultimately we don't want to piss off landowners because well, that's their ground. We'll only be in there for a short amount of time, but they're going to see it the rest of that stand's life. Oh, for sure. The guys that are working yeah. up there are the foresters and stuff. And especially if you're on yeah. private ground, those guys are going to be seeing their land all the time. Right. Oh Yeah. And of course they talk to people and so they like, Hey, come look at this job. And it can either go one of two ways. It can go like, Hey, look at this job. Like these guys, lack of a better term, made it look like shit. Yeah. Or it can go the opposite way in the good direction of like, Hey, look at how good these guys did. Like this is 
absolutely amazing. Like you guys should have them do it. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious to tell which one of those conversations is going to get you more work as a contractor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So about your harvester, are you guys running the tracks on the wheels too? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Those. So I've always wondered about those. I haven't been around these harvesters very much. Does that make yeah. quite a bit of difference of where you can and can't go? It, um, well, it's like your plunger extension, the grouser extension. Right. It makes that like without, or without tracks on, I can get stuck on wet grass in reality. Right. It's, it, it's pretty bad, but, um, yeah, having tracks on makes a giant difference. And also the different types of tracks that we run. There's several different brands and uh, models and stuff, but because some are made to float on more wet ground or just float in general. And then there's ones that are made for climbing up really steep hills. And so they're like your grazer extension. They're really tall, really deep, like paddle tires. Gotcha. That's what a lot of the tether guys run. The oh, tether okay. harvest orders. Yeah, they so run on those high tracks. They're setting them up just for specifically what they do. Yeah. Gotcha. See, I didn't even know that there was that many different types of tracks. I just thought, well, they've got tracks on their forward or they were just tracks on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so there's two different like brand names, I guess. Um, there's Clark and eco forest i think i guess who it is i probably butchered it or, or it's not the correct word but yeah and then they each have their own different like types that are for flotation or for extreme climbing and then there's everything in between really gotcha so it's really going to depend on like what you're going to do with your machine for the majority of the work is what tracks you're going to get exactly yeah gotcha. huh and then, so with these, these, uh, cut to length machines, it seems to me at least like the controls and everything is a lot different than your typical log loader or even bunchers. Uh, you want to walk us through kind of the differences or, or what you like about the, the controls in those Ponzi machines? Um, so your Ponzi forwarders and most forwarders in general, are similar to shovel controls. Okay. Uh, forwarders, they just have like a, they're called mini joysticks or, or mini levers. I mean, and they just are just a little three, three or four inch lever with a rocker switch on it. And they'll control your open and close your grapple. And then the squirt boom that those machines have. Gotcha. Uh, and then obviously you have the rotate of the grapples and the rotate of the crane and stuff like that or swing of the crane. Um, and that's where about the similarities end for <laughs> between the two. Cause as soon as you jump to the harvesters, um, like my machine and to be specific, they have what's called Ponzi comfort grips. So if you ever have time to go look up a picture of them or whatever, it's, they're really nice because it's like your hand is just like sitting on whatever. Yeah. So it's more but, like of a natural resting position for your hands, right? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. These are the wild ones I was thinking of when I asked you this question. Yeah. And they have, I don't know, 25 buttons on either hand. And they're very intimidating to look at because you just go in there not really seeing how to run it or actually run one before and you look at it and you're just like, Oh my God, that's, I can't do that. That's too many buttons. Like there ain't no freaking way I'm ever getting around that. That's too complicated. Yeah. That's what but, it seems like a lot. Oh yeah. It's, it's very overwhelming. The first, first time you get in one and you just like looking down, you're like, Oh God, I, I don't know about that. But with Ponzi's control systems, you can do anything and everything you want with those buttons. So it's not necessarily like your war cause back in the day where it's like A button does this, B button does this, and that's it. Like that's how you have to learn how to do it. Right. You can um, conform those controls to do what you want them to do. So there's a lot of different operators, like even when I worked with Miller and then working for Steve at Stafford, like there's um, so many different ways you can set a machine up. Like I run it differently from then, like my friends run it because they learn differently. So then they learned how their teacher taught them or their um, operator taught them. And like, it's different. And even if you look at back people in Europe, they run it completely different. Oh, than really? what we run. Weird. Oh yeah. I mean, they've had a few more years than a lot of us out here to run and do all that stuff. So they've right. up to what they think is the most productive. And then we come over here and like, ah, no, we'll do it this way. <laughs> we'll do it West coast style. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> how a lot of things are. seems like. Yeah. So do you think that all the technology in those machines helps you do your job every day a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a, some certain things that my machine can do that others can't, or not necessarily can't do, but that's harder. You're doing a few more steps. Um, I mean, even just the fact of picking a tree up off the ground, like you cut it and you set it down to go grab a little bit of a pile, build a bunch of pile essentially. Yeah, and then nose into a hole, grab a bunch of them, shoot them to the trail, come back out to the trail and then start processing everything. Even just a little bit of technical advantages to go and just like being able to over rotate the head with one button and tilt down and grab it with the front two knives and leave everything else in the head open. The four feed, two other rear knives and then the feed wheels just to leave those things open and then grab that one tree with the front two knives and pick it up and, away you're going yeah it makes it way less complicated yeah because cool. yeah i mean just watching um some of the other operators that i work with running the john deere 1270s like they're because they have the similar controls of the forwarder they have the mini levers right but then they have all your buttons around them so you're constantly reaching for a button here reaching for a button there holding the lever down to do this and it's a lot more movement of everything. It's not as fluent as my machine. And just kind of like, man, that's, there seems there's gotta be a more easy way to do it. Right. And then you get, get in my machine. It's like, Oh yeah, it, it's this easy way. <laughs> it is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I, that's the one thing about those like 
I've been around them at the log show and stuff and sat in them and I'm just like, this is super foreign to me, like the controls <laughs> on those harvesters, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, it's definitely a, a learning curve. That's for sure. Yeah. I would imagine. Oh, um, like a old shovels. You just get in anything and call it good. Yeah. Cause most guys, 90, I would say probably 95% of the guys run about the same controls on a shovel as a uh, 90% of the other guys out there. Mm-hmm. You might mm-hmm. have like rotation, you know, uh, rotation, rotation. backwards or something, or your heel rack might be backwards, yeah. but usually everyone's running the same controls. Yeah. So what do you think if someone, like if someone's listening to this and they're thinking about trying to find a job in the timber industry, what would your advice be? Cause I know like we said that you came up kind of family and learned to love being out in the woods that way. What do you think is going to be the best route for someone that's in- interested in working out in the woods to get into that nowadays? Don't be afraid of hard work. And don't, don't be afraid of working in the stock. Yeah. Is the, best way, is the best way to put it. Cause you're going to have days where it's just going to be absolute shit, but you're going to have a better day. Oh, for sure. There's always going to be a better day coming. So may not be that day, but it'll come and just do what you can be open to learning everything. Don't be so one mindset, one way minded to just like, I want to run shovel. That's it. That's all I want to do. I just want to run shovel. Or if you do want to do that, do that, but just be the best you can and learn, learn everything. Cause you'll make yourself more valuable and people notice that. Like you don't think this is an individual. You don't think that you'll be, Oh, I'm just this little guy. Nobody's going to notice me. You, people do people talk. Yeah. I think, so, that, you know, I think that a lot of people notice more things than people think when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're, it takes time, you know, you got to be on it. You got to pay your dues. Mm-hmm, when you're mm-hmm. when you're ready, you'll get there. Yep, you can't can't be a rock star overnight. You got to put the time in, be the guy that's willing to do anything and everything you can to be better and put in the time. Time and effort. And then with what you guys do too, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve with uh, tree species identification, wouldn't there be? Or do you just, I guess it would depend on the landowner and what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's the same type of stuff that you deal with, like, and even in a normal ground base or normal processor uh, situation, clear shell situation. Well, that's I true. mean, you got to know yeah. how to identify everything and, certain sorts go here, certain sorts go there, tree species are here. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely hard learning how to learn, uh, identify some trees. Cause I mean, personally I had quite a few struggles identifying trees when I first started. Well, it's tough. I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a hemlock and a fir or, you know, like from 40 feet away, like, 
The yeah. guys that have been doing it forever, that you know, they can walk down the road and be like, "Oh, there's three hemlocks down there in that draw." And I'm like, "They look like trees <laughs> to me, dude." <laughs> well, the hardest ones for me is hemlock and spruce. Oh yeah. I did a job out on the coast, and I I struggled for a good solid month trying to figure out how what's going to be the easiest way to de- identify and uh, the manager I had at the time, he came out and he's like, Oh, it's easy. You just look at this. And I'm like, I'm glad you can see that because I can't. <laughs> but after time, it, it does get easier. Yeah. And the, it's, there's a lot to a lot of the stuff. I think that gets overlooked by a lot of folks that aren't in the middle of it every day. Yeah. But I guess my last question for you is going to be, um, at the end of the day, do you grease at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day? I usually do end of the day. Yeah. Because the daylight, like especially this time of year, I'm usually starting my machine by 3.15 in the morning. Right. So it tends to be cold or just honestly plain scary. There's, there's shit out in those woods. I don't want to be around it. <laughs> so it's. I'm glad I'm not the only one that's like that. (laughs) I don't know what's out there in the dark, dude. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, But yeah, so I usually will grease and fuel and everything in the evenings. That way it's it's ready to go first thing in the morning. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a lot easier to see what you're doing in the daylight. Yep, you can catch certain things like leaks or whatever in the afternoon once everything's warm and stuff too so because when you're greasing the machine you're crawling all over it and whatnot looking for cracks and stuff yeah gotcha well buddy i appreciate you being on uh the very first episode of the landing podcast you got anything else you have anything else that you want to add maybe that we didn't get to uh not that i completely know of i mean it's kind of cool that someone like yourself is wanting to go and spread everybody's stories and make it known that this stuff's actually kind of cool. And Dude, I love it, man. Oh yeah. Well, you there's know. a lot more, <laughs> a lot more to it than everybody thinks. It's not just the old, old timer stereotypical, like you said in the beginning of this, like you go and, Oh yeah, I see all those trees. We're just going to level everything. Well, that's not, not like that anymore. Right. Not at all. <laughs> No, so there's not the olden day rape and pillage, so to speak, I guess. Definitely. There's a lot more, more regulations to everything that people don't completely understand. And I feel this, the story that you're trying to tell is pretty damn amazing. Well, that's what I want to try and do. Like this industry has put a roof over my head my whole life, basically. Like my dad's got a little reforestation outfit and most of the welding jobs I've had have been, you know, part of the industry fixing mills or fixing equipment. And it's like, I feel like the industry has a bad name. It's got a black eye to the public. And I feel like this will be a good platform to try and start that conversation that this isn't 1910 anymore. And the people working out in the woods care about the land. Oh, for sure. So I guess, um, 
probably leave off with that. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they get in, like find you on social media? Um, I have social media is buddy underscore nut, and I mean I do post pictures like in the, in my story and stuff of sunrises and stuff like that, and you can they can DM me or do whatever or Facebook Messenger myself. And if they have asked questions of what I do on a day to day or how they want to start it or whatever, I mean, go for it. Awesome. I always love to talk. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, I guess with, uh, we'll close it off at that. I, um, like I said, I appreciate you being on. That's kind of the awkward first episode. So it's nice <laughs> to do it with somebody that understands, you know, where okay. I'm coming from. Oh yeah. But so at Buddy Nut on Instagram, Buddy Myers, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Yep.